Well, good morning. How many people are ready for God's Word? Come on, how many people are ready for God's Word? Well, we're going to begin a January 2020 sermon series that we're simply calling it, God Didn't Say That. Have you ever been misquoted? Somebody ever said something, you're like, well, that's not what I said. I, I wonder if God looks down at us from time to time when we kind of say God said that, and we're quoting something, but we're misquoting. Evelyn and I were, were, were young in the ministry. We were pastoring in a, in a small town in southwestern Ontario, and every minister took turns to write an article in the paper, and I loved doing that. And I wrote an article where the newspaper took their rights to change anything they want in my article, and they changed my title, and this was the title. Local preacher says scripture is not a picture of health. And I'm like, no, that's not what I said. And, and they changed my title, and I was talking about the bomb in Gilead, and talking about a particular scripture that wasn't a healthy moment. And they went on to say, local preacher says scripture is not a picture of health. It's an awful feeling when someone was quotes you, right? Been there, done that? Sometimes we take a scripture and we take it out of context and we say what it doesn't mean. Sometimes it's cute, for example. Uh, I've seen this before in a church nursery over the change table. It's got a plaque and it's got the scripture from 1 Corinthians 15, 51 in the nursery over the change table. And it says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Come on, isn't that good? I mean, it might be true, but that's not what the scripture meant, right? And so we're going to take four Sundays to explore Scripture. And today, I want you to pull out your sermon notes. We're going to look at Jeremiah 29, 11. And it's a powerful verse that I am claiming, I am believing for, for your life, for my life, for we as a church. Jeremiah said, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Some of you have got that on a t-shirt, some of you got it on a plaque, some of you got it on a coffee mug, but sometimes we take it out of context, and to understand context, you must under, understand a verse, a text, you've got to understand the context, you've got to see what is surrounding it, so we don't misquote what God is saying. So today, I want to be like W5, I want to talk about the who, what, where, when, why. And uh, Evelyn and I, you ever seen W5, the program? Evelyn and I were pastoring in, in Bowmanville. And I remember where, where someone called us and said, your, your doctor, one of the doctors that was there when John was born was on W5, and it wasn't good for him, bad day. But W5, who, what, where, when, why? So let's start with the who. Let's go right to our notes. Number one, we'll talk to you for a couple of moments about Jeremiah. Everybody say Jeremiah, one, two, three, Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a, a, both a prophet and a priest. A prophet would speak on behalf of God to the people, and a priest would speak on behalf of the people to God. And Jeremiah was a prophet and a priest. And he ministered for 40 years. 40 years. And he ministered during the time of five kings in that day. He's a prophet. He's a priest. 40 years under five kings. God gave an amazing call. You can read it in Jeremiah chapter 1. Second thing I want to tell you is, he's, you might know this, he's often been called the weeping prophet. If anyone ever says to you, who's the weeping prophet? It's Jeremiah. And he's called the weeping prophet because of all the pain that he experienced while he's proclaiming God's message. Over a hundred times in the book of Jeremiah, he's calling the people to repentance. It wasn't a popular message, and many people rejected the message, and they rejected the messenger, and he only had a handful of converts. I mean, he labors for 40 years, and very few people receive his message. It was discouraging. And he had a lot of pain and a lot of weeping, a lot of crying. That's why he's called the weeping prophet. 
Now, I want to take you to number three. We're introduced to the Babylonians. The Babylonians. And the Babylonians were the superpower of the ancient world when Jeremiah wrote Jeremiah 29.11. They're the big guns. They're relentless. They're ruthless. They're cruel. They're nasty. And they're, they're, they're like the, the, the king people. They're, they're the big powerhouse nation, the Babylonians. And they were used by God to discipline and destroy Jerusalem. We're going to see that in a moment. That's the Babylonians. Number four, you might know this. The leader of the Babylonians was a guy named Nebuchadnezzar. Now, you've got to wrap your tongue around that. Everybody say Nebuchadnezzar. One, two, three. Nebuchadnezzar. He's the king. He's the king of Babylon. And here we got Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet and a priest. Ministered 40 years under five kings. He's the weeping prophet. Let me take you to number two, the what. Let me give you a big scoop overview of the book of Jeremiah. Number one, the book of Jeremiah reads more like a scrapbook. I don't know about you, but I can remember my grandma having a scrapbook when I was growing up. And I had friends that had a scrapbook. They get a book, empty pages. They, they, they glue cards in it. They glue pictures in it. And they write poems. And they, they put stuff in it. And why I say Jeremiah, the book, is like a scrapbook, if you try to read it chronological, you're not going to get that. It's a bunch of sermons, prophecies, and, and it's some satire. It's, just, it's a whole bunch of things, and it actually reads like a scrapbook. Now, let's get more specific. Let me take you to number two. Jeremiah chapter 29... Where the verse that we're going to look at, Jeremiah 29, is actually a letter that Jeremiah wrote. It's a letter that he wrote to God's people. So let's read Jeremiah 29, verse 1. It says, this is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people, Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. We're going we're to understand that a little better in a few moments, but I want you to get this. Jeremiah 29, it's a letter. It's a letter. Did I tell you it's a letter? It's a letter that Jeremiah wrote to the people who are exiled to Babylon. So let me take you to number three, and I want to give you four key dates. Leave it on the screen. Pastor Joe, come on right up here. I need you. And Pastor Joe, we need 12 people to be a part of a sermon illustration. I won't hurt you. I will not embarrass you. But I need 12 people. Right now, get up, run to Pastor Joe. The first 12 wonderful people. The first 12 wonderful people. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Quick, 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 quick. All right. All right. Slow down. Slow down. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Okay, Pastor Joe. Who do we have to kick off the island? We got over 12 people. We have 12 now. 12. Okay, you 12 people. Come on up. Come on. Come on. Nice and close. Get ready. Come on. Clap. Clap for these people. Their sermon illustration. All right. You guys come on right here. Get real close. Get snuggly. Like pretend you like each other. Come on. Come on. Get real, 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 real close. All right. Why don't you think back in the Old Testament? There's a guy named Jacob. Anybody know what Jacob's name was changed to? He was later called Israel. And Israel had 12 sons, which we often call the 12 tribes of Israel. There's people like Gad and Asher and Naphtali and Zebulun and uh, Judah and Benjamin, and the list goes on. There's 12 sons that became known as the 12 tribes of Israel. 
and the kingdom was united for some time. The first king was a guy named David. David had a son named Solomon. It's all good. Under Solomon, everything's going well. And Solomon has a son, Rehoboam, and Rehoboam messes up, and the kingdom divides. So we're going to divide up the kingdom right now, and I want you and you to stand right over here, and right there nice and close. You guys get real close over here. And so it, it divides, and you end up with 10 tribes in the north called the Northern Kingdom, and it's also called Israel. And you got two tribes in the south, which are called the Southern Kingdom, and it's Judah and Benjamin. And so we got the two tribes in the south, and we got the 10 tribes in the north. So I want you to put those dates back up on the screen, and I, I want to give you a little bit of context. Because something happened in 722. Put, the, script, put the, the dates back up on the screen. 722 B.C., here we got the northern kingdom, Israel. They are turning their back on God. They're not following God closely like they should. And they're, they're, they're doing all this pagan worship and idol worship. And so God sends in the Assyrians. And he sends in the Assyrians. And the Assyrians take the king of their day, Jehoiakim, and takes Jehoiakim the king and transports him, I'm telling you, a long ways away, and he takes him way over into Babylon, 2,700 kilometers away. And all 10 of these tribes are dispersed, and they become now known as the 10 lost tribes. So I want you to, to get lost, all right? You guys, you've done your job. Thank them. They did amazing. They did amazing. Amazing. Now, you would think... You would think, you would honestly would think that the southern kingdom could learn from the northern kingdom, go, man, these guys messed up, and they become the ten lost tribes. But you guys in the south, the southern people, the people, come on into the light. Come on close to the light here. You're the southern kingdom. You are Judah. I'm sorry, you are Benjamin and Judah, and your capital city is Jerusalem. And you guys started to turn your back on God. You didn't learn from them. And so in 605 B.C., God sends the Assyrians in, and the Assyrians come in and invade you. And actually, actually what they did then, I made a mistake. They didn't take the king back in those early days. They took the king Jehoiakim in 605 B.C. and plucked him out of his land and took him 2,700 kilometers to Babylon and took a whole bunch of people with him, including Daniel and his friends. Now we come to 597 B.C., they still didn't learn the lesson. They're still turning their back on God. And the Assyrians attack again. And this time the Assyrians take Ezekiel and a whole bunch of other people and take them 2,700 kilometers out of their homeland all the way to Babylon. And then finally in 586 B.C., they're still turning their back on God. The Assyrians come in and destroy the walls around Jerusalem, tear them down and destroy the temple. And it's a mess and you guys did a great job. Thank these wonderful people who've held on. Come on, way to go. You're done. Thank you. All right. Let's come to number four. It's going to all come together in a moment. The where. Number one, Jeremiah, when he wrote Jeremiah 29 11, is still living among the ruins in Jerusalem. The walls are down, and the temple is devastated. And he sends this letter in Jeremiah 29 to the Jews that are now living in exile under the control of the Babylonians, under that Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar. So 
they, had, they were plucked out of Jerusalem. Beautiful Jerusalem is now destroyed. And they're 2,700 kilometers away in Babylon in a place they don't want to be with a ruler that's ruthless, relentless, and cruel. And Jeremiah's in Jerusalem, and he writes this letter. So I want to take you to what I want to share with you, number five. And I want to talk to you for a few moments why. Because there's some of you sitting here today, you're like, Mark, I'm in my Babylonian situation. I'm walking through something I don't want to walk through, and I'm facing something I don't want to face. And, I, and I, I'm in a place, I'm in a spot, physically, emotionally, or relationally, or I'm just going through stuff. And Mark, I know 2019's done, it's now 2020, but man, I, I'm in my Babylon situation. I don't like what's going on in my life. It's messy, it's hard, and it's difficult, and I, I need to be encouraged. So I want to give you five things. Number one, recognize who God is. That's the first thing you got to do. And respond to what he does. And I want to show you something that I saw in Jeremiah 29 as we're building up to Jeremiah 29, 11, that, that just pumped me up, just lifted my faith. And it's found in verse 1 down to verse 4. But write this in your notes. You've got to start by recognizing who God is. And then when you do that, you can respond to what he does in your life. So look at Jeremiah 29, 1. Let's reread it. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem. Remember, he's in Jerusalem. Walls are down. The temple's destroyed. All these people are exiled into Babylon to the surviving elders among the exiles, to the priests, the prophets, and all the people, now note this, Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar goes into Jerusalem, and he takes all these people, and he takes them 2,700 kilometers into Babylon, and here's Jeremiah in Jerusalem, and he writes this letter. Let's go down to verse 2. This was after the king Jehoiakim and the queen mother, the court officials, and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the skilled workers, the artisans had gone into exile from Jerusalem. Remember they took the king, Jehoiakim? Now let's come to verse 3. He entrusted the letter to Elsa, the son of Japhon, and to Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, the king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. But now I want you to see verse 4, what the letter said, because how the letter started is so key. Look, put it on the screen, verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Now, the first thing I want you to notice, when he says the Lord Almighty, he's making reference to El Shaddai, a name of God, our Lord God Almighty. I've got a question for you today. How many people really believe in your heart that God is the Almighty God. Do you believe that today? Come on. That's about 15 of you. How many people believe that God is the God Almighty? If you want to make it through your Babylonian situation, don't start with what you are facing. Start with who our God is. He doesn't change. I mean, sometimes we take a scripture that moves us in the moment, but we need something that will sustain us in the storms of life. 
I mean, church, sometimes we confuse the goodness of God and the presence of God with the absence of problems. But you've lived long enough to know that we walk through tough times and difficult times. And even though life can get tough, God never changes. He is the El Shaddai. He is the God Almighty. Whether he does what you want him to do or not, he is still God. He changes not. He is the faithful God. He is the unchanged. God. He is the El, I'm preaching now. He's the El Shaddai God. He is the great I am. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's God. If you want to make it through your Babylonian situation, you've got to get a hold of a true understanding of who our God is. Put on the screen, verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Now, watch this. Say to all those I carried into exile. From Jerusalem to Babylon. I thought Nebuchadnezzar carried them into exile. God says, no, no, no. I, I carried it into exile. I think what God was trying to say to Jeremiah to help the people understand that he's still God. He's still in charge. He's not shocked by what you're walking through. He's not disturbed by what you're walking through. It may not make sense to you, but it makes sense to God. Nothing in your life happens unless it passes through the filter of heaven. God is in charge of you. The devil's not in charge of your life. Come on, Woodville. God is in charge of your life. God is in charge of your life. And so you have to start by, by understanding and, and who God is so you can respond better to what you're walking to. You may not like what you're walking to, but God is still God. He is the Almighty. Somebody risk a little amen. The second thing I want to share with you, we got to learn to make the most of, of our situation. we got to learn to make the most. Sometimes we whine, we complain, and we... Oh, woe is me. This isn't fair. Why me? Why this? Why now? Why, 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 God? This is awful. And I tell you, church, the more I understand who God is, the more I can get through the tough times of life. It's not easy walking through tough times, but God is with you in the tough times. His presence never leaves you, never forsakes you. Look at verse 5 down to verse 7. What did God say to Jeremiah to tell the people who are in exile in Babylon? They're in a place they didn't want to be. He said, build houses. This is verse 5. Settle down. They're like, I don't want to build a house. I want to go back to Jerusalem. God says, no, build houses, settle down. Plant gardens, eat what they produce. You're going to be here for a while. Mary, verse 6, have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in numbers there. Do not decrease. Then verse 7, seek the peace, the prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. God said to Jeremiah, tell the people... Stay there. You're going to be there as long as I want you there. Now, church, you will be in your Babylonian situation as long as God wants you in there. He will get you through your Babylonian situation. The God who is before you is the God who's already in your tomorrow. And he's the God who is with you today. And so you can make the most of your situation by trusting him in the middle of your dilemma. He said, Mary, have sons. I mean, just go do this. Don't decrease the number. Then he said, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city. Be a good citizen. Bless the city. 
I'll tell you, church, we want to be a church that blesses our city. I want us to be a church that the, 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 the mayor and our town councilors say we, we'd be lost without Woodville. We, we, we're grateful for Woodville. And I want to be a church that blesses our city because when our city is blessed, we are blessed. I want Jesus to be made famous in our city. Are you with me today? We want Jesus to be made famous in our city. We've got to learn to make the most as we're walking through our difficulty. But then there's number three. Number three is a hard hitter. Beware of false promises. You ever given someone a false promise? You ever said something that was just wishful thinking, but it wasn't a word from the Lord? I mean, now you may not know this, but in Jeremiah's day, here are the Jewish people, and they're in Babylon. They're there for 70 years. And there's these, these diviners, these false prophets going around saying, you'll only be here for two years. You're only going to be here for one year. You're not going to be here long. You're going to be out of here quick. Now look at verse 8, verse 9. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that you encourage them to have. Verse 9, they are prophesying lies to you in my name. I've not sent them, declares the Lord. Now 33 years pastoring, I've seen people get deceived by truth that is not total truth. And one of the truths that is not total truth is that only godly people are healthy and wealthy. And I'm here to declare to you today that I know people, I know people that they don't have a dollar in their bank and they're barely paying their bills, but they are godly people. There are people in third world countries that barely have a place over their head. They got no food in their stomach. God help us if we say only godly people. If you're truly godly, you'll be wealthy. I'll tell you, church, my wealth is not found in the dollars in my bank account. My wealth is found in my riches in Jesus Christ. And other people go around saying, if you're truly spiritual, there'll never be sickness in your body. I'm here to say to you that godly people can even walk through sickness. Evelyn and I were young ministers and pastoring in, in, in Goderich. And, and the next town over, a little ways down in Stratford, was another young couple. And, and she in her 30s, cancer came in her body. And, and I fast forward, and she's in her 30s. And, and she died in her early 30s. And she went home to be with Jesus. And they prayed for healing. And they believed for healing. And they were godly people. I don't want anybody to say, if she truly was godly, she would be healed. I want you to know, sometimes, bad things happen to good people. Sometimes life doesn't make sense. And so we better get our theology straight and we better cling to the El Shaddai, the God Almighty. We better stop listening to false promises that aren't true. We need to look to the promise maker in our Lord Jesus who never leaves us and never forsakes us. Somebody give a little shout in the house today. Number four, we got to learn to trust God. Trust his timing. Trust who he is. Trust him in the down times. Trust him in the difficult times. Look at verse 10 and verse 11. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and I will fulfill my good promises to bring you back to this place. Can you imagine if you're in Babylon and you didn't even want to stay there 70 minutes? And God says, you got 70 years here. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's a long time. Turn to your neighbor and say that. That's a long time. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever walked through something that was a lot longer than you wanted it to be? My hand's up. 
You ever walk through something you wish you weren't walking through? I mean, Ed, we walked through cancer in Bowmanville, and the crazy thing comes back again and didn't like it. But God's still faithful. God's still faithful. His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are greater than my thoughts. You see, church, if, if you're, if you're going to live your life saying, I want to walk through my life with no problems, no trials, no difficulties, and when problems and trials come, your, your theology is off base. When you confuse the goodness of God with the absence of problems, you are setting yourself up for failure. We need to trust in the El Shaddai, the Almighty God, whether he does what we want him to do or he doesn't do what we want him to do. Whether he heals me or not, he's still God. Whether he does what I asked him to do or not, he's still God. I'm trusting him. I'm leaning on his everlasting arms. I'm going to trust in my God who changes not. I'm not preaching to you today. He's a God who never changes. Look at verse 10 again. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I'll come to you. God's saying it's awful, it's terrible, but it's going to come to a close, and I'm going to fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. You see, the promise in verse 11, put it on the screen, in its context was a promise to the Jewish people that were in Babylon for 70 years. Now, I don't know if you're going to get this. I, I, didn't, I shouldn't say that. I, I didn't get it the first time I read it, and I just had to read it several times, then I got it. I want you to get this today. Now, 70 years is a long time, so... so, so Nebuchadnezzar takes people from Judah and he plucks them and he brings them 2,700 kilometers into Babylon. 70 years is a long time. Some of the people he brought to Babylon died in Babylon. Some of the people that that weren't in Jerusalem were born in Babylon. Some of them he brought from Jerusalem lasted the 70 years and went back. I I mean, some left Jerusalem, came to Babylon, went back. Some weren't even in Jerusalem. They started in Babylon. They're born in Babylon. And then they, then they went back to Jerusalem. And, and some, of them, some, of them, some of them left Jerusalem, came to Babylon, and died. But God said to them, now put it on the screen. This is verse 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, I'm going to give you a Hebrew nugget of truth. The Hebrew word plans is better translated thoughts. I know the thoughts I have for you, declares the Lord. Thoughts to prosper you, not to harm you. Thoughts to give you hope and a future. Evelyn, when you were living in Toronto, and I, I'm single for one year before I'm married, and I'm in Goddard, and we call each other, and sometimes you'd say to me, you were on my mind all day. Man, that made me feel so good. I got a word for you. You are on the mind of God 24-7. You're in the thoughts of God. You, you don't leave the thoughts of God. You are on his mind at all. He's thinking about you more than you're thinking about him. Come on, isn't that powerful? God is thinking, I know the thoughts I have for you, declares the Lord. God says to Jeremiah, to the people who are in Babylon for 70 years, God says, you're on, you're on my mind. And I've got thoughts to prosper you, not to harm you. I've got thoughts to give you hope and a future. I've got a word for you today. Whether life goes the way you think it should or not, God is still for you. He is never against you. 
May no weapon that is formed against you prosper. God has a future for you that is better than you can ever imagine. And when things don't go the way you think they should, someday when we get to heaven, we're going to understand why. But we need to go back to the El Shaddai, the God Almighty Church. Get it in your spirit. Before you respond to what he does, you need to realize who he is. Have I told you about my God? Have I told you that he's the faithful one? Have I told you that he's the all-powerful one? Have I told you he's the ever-present one? He is the all-knowing one. He's the alpha, the omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the sweet rose of Sharon. He's the lily of the valleys. He's my savior, my healer, my baptizer. And he, Jesus, is my soon-coming king. And I lift up his name in this place today. Woo! I wish I had time to take you to the book of Psalms. But David records a scripture that by the river in Babylon, they picked up their harps and they began to give him praise. There's 70 years in Babylon. And David picks it up and says they picked up their harp and they began to give him praise. I'll tell you what will help you get through your Babylon is give him praise. Not for what he does or not for what he doesn't do, but give him praise for who he is. He's the God who changes not. Come on, give a clap offering of praise to our God. The fifth and the final thing I want to leave with you is seek God wholeheartedly. Seek Him with all you got. Don't seek the answer. Seek Him. Seek God wholeheartedly. Let me me wrap it up. Verse 12, 13, and 14. Verse 12, then you will call on me. Now, 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 verse 11 is the promise. In verse 12 is the prayer. Sometimes, in fact, often we go from problem to prayer, but this teaches us to go from promise to prayer. And I want to challenge you to get a hold of his promise and let his promise propel you to prayer. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Now look at verse 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. He didn't say He didn't say you're going to find the answer. You're going to find me. God's more concerned about you having a deep relationship with him than anything else. When you trust him, when you really trust him, you will get through your problems. I've shared this story before, but it's coming to my mind because I think it hammers at home. When I was a young boy, I thought my dad could do no wrong, no harm. He's a big guy. I'd go to school and say, my dad's bigger than your dad. And yeah, my dad's bigger than your dad. So my dad can beat up your dad. Your dad, get your dad to meet my dad behind the church. My dad will take you down. And we're traveling. We're going on a bridge. And the sun is glaring in the front windshield. And I remember looking behind. And there's a car coming like 100 kilometers an hour. And my dad stopped. And I'm like, uh-oh, this isn't good. But it's going to be okay because dad's at the wheel. My dad saw in his rearview mirror the car coming, so he tapped the brake light, and the car hit its brakes, and it's skidding like this. And I'm going, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Not for one moment that I think it was going to smash into our car, and it didn't smash into our car. I never thought it would smash into our car because my daddy is at the wheel. And I got a word for you today. Heavenly daddy is at the wheel of your life. 
He, he, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. But, but seek him. And, and when you seek me, he says, you will seek me with, with all your heart. And then verse 14, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place which I carried you into exile. I want you to stand to your feet in this place, please. And I want to speak over this house today that God has plans for your life. Not to harm you, but to bless you. You are on the mind of God at all times. He is for you. He is not against you. And so 2019 is now behind us. Let's close the door in 2019. There's nothing you can do to change 2019. And I'll tell you, if I could have a do-over, there's a few things I would do over. But 2019 is behind us and 2020 is before us. And I want to invite us today to give Him praise. To give Him praise. To praise the El Shaddai, the Almighty. When it doesn't make sense, focus on the God who changes not. Some of you today, you're walking through your Babylon. You're like, Mark, I don't like what I'm walking through. It's lasting a lot longer than I thought. I never thought I'd find myself in this place. I got a word for you today. Give him praise. Not for what you are walking through, but give him praise for who he is. Because this is how I'm going to fight my battle. I've made a decision. I'm going to fight my battle and praise and worship to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. Honey, when you walked through cancer again, we didn't, we didn't turn our back on God. We, we said, I'm going to give him praise. There's, there's some people that, I, that I, I know you've walked through some pretty tough times, and, but you keep on giving them praise. And some of you today, you're in, you're in Babylon, and you want to be in Jerusalem. Well, you're in Babylon, give them praise. Whether you're in Jerusalem or whether you're in Babylon, Give him praise. In the ancient Jewish culture, they'd, they'd pick up their harps. Well, this is, this is a modern-day harp right here. And they started to give him praise. I felt the Lord say to me as we begin to give him praise, breakthrough. Breakthrough is going to happen in this place today. Because this is how we fight our battle. You might be surrounded by problems, but yea, you are surrounded by the presence of the Almighty Lord. You might be in your Babylon, but God is with you in your Babylon. So this is how we're going to fight. 
our battle. Come on, Woodvale, we're going to give him praise. I said, we're going to give him praise. How I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how I. Well, this is how I find my battles. This is how I find. Honey, I don't often invite you to join me on the platform, but Ev, if you'd come and join me on the platform, we want to pray for our church family. We, we want to pray blessing of God over you in 2020. We want to declare over your lives and over your situation that God has plans for you, not to harm you, but to prosper you. He has a hope. And he has a future. And we declare that over you today. And just before we pray, would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? I can't close the service without asking this question. You're standing here today and 
My question is if today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity, are you ready for heaven? Do you know that you're going to heaven? Was there a time, a place, a moment that you personally asked Jesus to come into your life to be your Lord and Savior? Do you know that you know that you're going to heaven? And if you never made your peace with God, we want to lead you in a prayer. In fact, we're going to join you as you pray. So let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I have decided to follow Jesus. Today, I confess you as my Savior and my Lord. I want to live for you and serve you. I pray this now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Take a moment. It's party time. Can we celebrate salvation? Come on. Come on. Let's celebrate salvation. And if you've 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 prayed that prayer for the very first time and you've invited Christ in your life on your way out this morning, go to the wall that says follow. We got a Bible for you. We want to bless you with the Bible. We got a little booklet for you. We want to bless you. And we have a, a class that can help you in your new faith journey. And honey, I, I, I really hope that the church family joins us in these 21 days of prayer and fasting. I just believe God's going to do something great. If you could be here on Wednesday night for the vision night, come on out. I think it's going to be great. But honey, they gave you a mic. So I want you to pray. And then I'm going to pray. But I, I want you to pray blessing over, over our church family that God would give us a, a great 2020. God, we're so thankful for your faithfulness. You're a God who's able to do exceeding abundance above all that we can ask or even think according to your power that's at work within us. According to your power that's at work within us. You equip us. You use us. We're thanking you, God, for what you have done in 2019. But God, we have this year ahead and we're believing for great and awesome and mighty things. You're the God of the miracles. You're the God who's able to do exceeding abundance. Father, I pray that faith would rise up in each individual, in each life, in each family, in each couple, that you're God who's able to do exceeding in abundant that we can believe that all things are possible to them that believe and I pray oh God that they would feel equipped in you that they would know that all they need to do is just to call up to you and you will honor them you want us to call up to you you are able to do yes, exceeding Lord. abundant exceeding abundant according to your power that's at work within us and each and every one of us are empowered by you Lord Jesus and I hope Spirit, I pray today that you would quicken, that you would enable, that you would go before each one and make those crooked places straight. I pray, oh God, that they would rise up in victory today. Go in your power, in your blessing, and in your might. Surround them with songs of deliverance of God. And God, go before them, make those crooked places straight. Bless their lives, bless their families, bless everything they do that, God, they would be led by your spirit. In Jesus' name, I declare your blessing around them and before them. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, Father God, we, we ask that you would pour out your blessing on everyone in this place today, from youngest to eldest. We pray no weapon of the enemy that's already been formed against them, it would not prosper. We pray that they would know that they're always on your mind. 
And I pray that everyone in this place would know that you've got plans to, to yes, prosper us and bless us, not to harm us. You've got a hope and a future for us. Yes. And I pray that 2020 would be a year of favor. 2020 would be a year that great things happen. I pray, God, that we would, we would see things in the spirit realm that we've never seen before. We pray, God, that 2020 would be the most exciting year for the life of this church. 2020 would be the most exciting year for everyone in this place. So, God, we give you praise. And I pray you go with us and give us a great day and a great week and a great year. In Jesus' name we pray. Nobody whispered. Everybody shouted, amen. Come on, put your hands together and give them, give them a clap off and a praise. Well, if you're our guest, I hope that you drop by the guest lounge. We really want to bless you. And if you accepted Christ, go to the follow wall. Get into a connect group. Go to the connect wall. And God bless you, Pastor. Lead us in the song as we go. The Lord bless you. Your praise. Us.